God bless you. It's Apostle Anthony Wilson. And as I told you yesterday, we will be broadcasting every day for the next seven days as we're in the heart of uh, the rise of this particular uh, global event that we're going through. And as believers, we have to have a response. And we have to have a response to the things that are going on in our world, especially with all kinds of rumors and conspiracy theories going on, going all around. We have to stay in a place of worship. And so we're going to open up with some worship and we're going to give our response to the Lord. And our response is going to be hallelujah. Uh, this song is by Phil Thompson. And then after that, we're going to get into our subject today of how we should be praying for China.
God bless you. After a word from our sponsors, we'll be right back with our episode today with a very special guest who has been to China and Japan. And I'll let you know who that is when we come back. God bless you. God bless you and welcome to Love Thy Neighbor. It's your host, Apostle Anthony Wilson. Um, as I told you earlier in the week, I'm going to be broadcasting every day for the next seven days. Um, I have a lot of different guests on uh, talking about what's going on in the world today. Uh, for believers, uh, as I said in our opening, uh, our response is to continue to give God praise and glory and to share the gospel uh, with those who don't know Christ today. Um, as the numbers across the globe are expanding and growing and increasing, um, our faith needs to increase along with it to believe that God is in control. Um, as we say time and time again, we must submit to God's will, trust in God's sovereignty and, res and respect or reverence God's authority in these days and times. Um, right here in the U.S., uh, the numbers are still growing. They're still getting larger. Um, we look like we're at 7,678 7, cases here in the U.S. Um, there are 117 deaths and 106 recoveries uh, happening right here in our, our nation, uh, believe it or not. Um, as we begin to uh, pray, we need to be praying for uh, home. We need to be praying for um, our family members. We need to be praying for our nation, um, uh, praying for the world. We become intercessors uh, for the world at this time if you're a believer. Um, the global picture is 208,568 cases that are reported by uh, the media, and I'm getting my source from Newsbreak, um, and their source is from the CDC, the CCDC, and the ECDC. Um, so they're reporting live in real time. Um, there are 82,909 people recovered, which is an awesome, awesome thing to know that people are recovering. So in this time, in this season, uh, we are in prayer for our world, especially um, the place where most people feel um, that this sprung from. The, the national media um, believes that this all began in China. In mainland China, there's over 80,894 confirmed cases, but there's 69,614 people recovering with over 3,000 people um, succumbing uh, to this particular virus. And so my, my intention today is to figure out how, how do we pray for our globe, but how do we pray for China? Um, and so I brought a guest on with me who has been to China, who has been to Japan, who is familiar with the East Asian culture and um, is a family member, believe it or not. Um, my daughter, uh, Tierra Wilson, 
Um, how how are you doing today? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I'm you know enjoying this uh, self quarantine here, spending time with the family, relaxing, getting my mental health and physical health together. Amen. Um, so, um, being as though that uh, you have been to those countries, um, you are my my current expert, so to speak. <laughs> Uh, because I've never been there. Um, so tell me a little bit about yourself um, from your perspective. I could talk about you, but <laughs> I'd rather you talk about you. <laughs> um, yeah, of course. So as already mentioned by my dad, I am his daughter, his mm-hmm. oldest child. Um, and that, of course, makes me a PK, a pastor's kid. So I grew up, was raised in the church, got used to the lifestyle, definitely had my own relationship with God, but definitely um, learned a lot about character, about my faith, um, a lot of hard questions about Christianity um, were answered as a result of me growing up in a household uh, with sound doctrine. Um, But aside from that and my faith, I'm also um, a movie buff also inherited from my father. (laughs) I'm a big music nerd and I'm also into books. I'm also very passionate about social justice and a self-proclaimed pop culture enthusiast. Um, I also happen to be a student at the University of um, Southern California right now. Um, And I'm a grad student also serving as a TA or a teaching assistant. So I'm doing a little bit of teaching and research and some classes. Um, And my focuses tend to be popular culture, um, identity, um, people of color studies. So that's a lot of like Latin American, um, Asian studies, as well as African studies, African American, Latin American, all the crossovers. Um, And I look a lot at how popular culture allows us to have um, good relationships. So it enables us to understand other cultures better, but also how it estranges us from other cultures. So how does the media, how do movies, um, videos, music allow us to understand each other better, but also kind of reinforce these stereotypes that we have of each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, I know that early in middle school, um, somehow, uh, both our children, you and your brother, ended up in a Chinese class. Um, I don't necessarily know how that happened, even though I was there. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. So how did you fall in love with East Asian culture and where did the desire to want to speak um that language come from <laughs> yeah uh so first i'd like to just clarify for our listeners um you'll notice us throwing around east asia as opposed to just asia um so asia is a huge continent and includes southeast asia which is like india um singapore all of those places as well as like the middle east or near east which would be like kazakhstan or that would be west And then you have like um, Iran and all those places. So it's a huge continent. East Asia specifically refers to what we call the Sinophone countries. So they all have a shared history that stems from China. And that would be China, uh, Japan, um, the Korean Peninsula. So both North and South Korea. And then even Taiwan is included in that and Hong Kong as well. Um, 
but as to your question of how I fell in love with East Asia or how I got interested, uh, honestly, it all started with Saturday morning cartoons. <laughs> um, um, I remember being exposed to anime such as Yu-Gi-Oh and Sailor Moon in our Sailor and our Saturday morning cartoons and binge watching them with you and AJ. And um, from there, I just really got into anime. And eventually, as an anime fan, it gets to a point where you realize the English dub versions aren't coming out fast <laughs> enough. Right. Um, and so I was like, well, I'm going to teach myself Japanese and started going to the library, picking out Japanese English dictionaries and watching the Japanese versions, trying to figure out what they were saying. And, trying to teach myself um, and then when I got to high school um, I was lucky enough that they actually offered Chinese language classes and even though I had been studying Japanese um, I recognized a few of the characters um, that they use in Chinese because they're pretty similar and so I was like well I guess I'll pick up on that one and Chinese I continued studying that into college into undergrad I'm still studying that um, got to keep up on my fluency um, and eventually it also involved in undergrad I had the chance to uh, study in Japan um, and there oddly enough I met a lot of Korean friends and got into Korean as well so <laughs> um, it all started with that anime though so real quick uh, this is a little bit off script um, can you say hello in um, various languages so Tell us what language it is and then say hello in that language so we can kind of learn a, a, a pretty basic greeting. Um, yeah, so uh, I'll go ahead and use what th these are greetings you would use when you're addressing a um, large group of people for the most part. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so to start off with in ja Japanese and right now it's kind of noon, early morning. So mm -hmm. we'll go with that. Um, it's minasan wa. Ohayou gozaimasu, which is, hello everyone, good morning, or minasan wa konnichiwa, which is, hello everyone. Um, Japanese um, was that one. Chinese would be dajahao, which is literally, hey everybody. <laughs> and then in Korean would be annyeonghaseyo, which is just, hello. And you can use that at any point of time in the day. Wow, awesome, awesome. So, um, tell us a little bit about uh, your journey from Hinkley High School to USC. How did we go from Hinkley High School to the University of Southern California? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's been quite a journey. And honestly, I think really a lot of it was the character that was instilled into me by my parents and God opening doors that I didn't think were possible to be opened and me just working hard and putting my head down and going through the doors. Um, I, at Hinkley High School, I made sure I was in like the International Baccalaureate program. So I was working really hard on my studies, um, spent a lot of time um, doing extracurricular activities, you know, the usual building your resume and things like that, that you do to get into a good college and high school. But I was also fortunate enough to receive um, the Daniels Fund Scholarship, mm. which uh, gave me a full ride to any university of my choice. Um, and after some fasting and prayer, um, God sent me to the University of Denver, uh, which also happened to be one of um, 
to the better universities in our nation for international studies, which is what I wanted to do. I wanted to keep learning new cultures and languages. Um, so I went there. Um, I kept working hard, started a sorority, a Christian sorority, I might add. Mm -hmm. um, and um, kept up on my Chinese, started Korean, studied abroad in Japan and China. So once again, kind of getting more familiar with those cultures. And um, then I took a, a year off um, to really spend some time hearing from God and really learn to, to find my identity. Because I realized in doing all those things and all those acclimates, I had started to view the acclimates as the source of my identity. Um, and so in that year, God spent a lot of time just breaking that from me and um, allowing me to see that I'm not defined by those accolades, that I'm defined by what he said. And I worked in that year and I attended classes at church every day. I was praying, I was all my stuff. And um, I also started applying to different programs, um, Teach for America, I applied to that, I applied to grad school. And um, all the while kind of not sure how I was gonna pay for any of it or what was gonna happen. and. Um, it actually ended up that when it, it was getting close to May, April, that decision-making time, and I still had, I had gotten accepted to the University of Hawaii, and I had gotten accepted to the Teach for America program and USC, but didn't really have the funds really to do any of it. And um, was praying and asking God, and out of the blue, I got an email from uh, my advisor at University of Southern California. And she said, hey, we wanna offer you a teaching assistant position wow. that would give you um, a stipend for the full school year so you get paid monthly wow. and it would cover your full tuition. And I just knew that was God, walked through the door and here I am at USC. So you kind of had to recalibrate or re refocus um, to focus more on the assignment that God has given you over the achievements uh, that you were uh, accomplishing. And that's something that we talk about a lot. I talk about that very specifically, is that it's it's USC is a means to an end. It's not the end. That's not the, right. the goal. Oh, I wanted to go to USC or I wanted to be at this prestigious institute. I, I really, it's about what is God asking you to do? Mm -hmm. uh, uh -huh, uh -huh. So... Um, how does a girl from 13th and Chambers in a small place called Aurora, Colorado, end up putting more miles on her passport than most people will do um, in their entire life? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, like I said, I think a lot of it was just God opens those doors and you've got to be willing to walk through it. Um, I think also, though, there were um, a lot of other people that prepared me for it in my life. Like I think of my aunt who was a traveler and I grew up with her being exposed to like different foods and different cultures and things like that and learning to be comfortable with that early on. Um, and I think also that growing up that um, you and mom taught me a lot about how to be empathetic with other people and to understand where other people come from. And so that combined with me being exposed to this anime and all of that, I think it made me more interested in going out and then i think also just from the beginning like i grew up i don't know if any of you guys know that old school lecrae song send me but i grew yeah. up that was my theme song <laughs> that was my song so i think god from 
the beginning has just kind of put in me um, a desire to go out into the world. And I think that he also placed people around me to cultivate that and opportunities. Um, with that full ride scholarship to DU, um, that tuition also counted for my study abroad experiences. And then also as I was working hard and um, you know staying up on my um, grades, I also got the opportunity to actually get ahead um, and so I, instead of graduating early, actually studied abroad a second time, also um, paid for by that same scholarship. So a lot of it was just taking advantage of the opportunities that were given to me. And um, it actually was totally worth it. I, as I studied abroad in Japan and China, from there, I just went to a whole bunch of places. Um, while in Japan, I got to study, uh, or I got to stay in South Korea for a while, um, which was really nice. And then when I was in China, I studied in Nanjing, but actually got to explore all over China. So I went west to like um, Xi'an and even went um, to Shanghai regularly, Beijing. So I got to go all over um, as a result of that. So a lot of it was just God opening the doors and me taking advantage of that preparation to walk through. Um, grow, growing up um, in a church that believes in, you know, the Bible, uh, believes in the Holy Spirit, um, even believes, we believe in prophecy. Uh, Daniel um, was a focal point of a lot of the words that were given to you. Um, and growing up in an atmosphere of prophecy, a lot of people were getting words that God was going to call them to go and travel to nations. And you actually got to do that. You actually got to go and um, be in other nations and see what those nations were like. A lot of people may never get to do that. Mm -hmm. So what was life like in a foreign land? Um, it. It was amazing and life-changing. Honestly, I still think about it a lot um, regularly. And it's one of those things that once you go, you have to go again. Like you go and then you're like, okay, where am I gonna go next? I gotta go again. Um, but I think um, one of the first things that happens when you get there is you, um, everything is just new and fresh and exciting. Um, and so right away, everything is just way more fun. You're like, oh, I've never seen this before. I've never done this before. Um, but I think that eventually after that kind of newness wears off, um, the newness turns into you seeing a lot of differences, mm -hmm. right? You start to compare it to, oh, well, this isn't what it's like at home. Right. Like I know in um, Japan at first, um, I thought it was really nice um, that like people were so polite and that... Um, the streets were all clean and things like that. But after a while, you're like, well, home is nothing like this. This is different. I don't hear no cars honking on the street. I don't hear anything. Um, uh, so things like that. So and then when you start to realize the differences, I think um, it can become a little daunting and isolating. Um, but so you kind of have to start from the beginning with your social relationships. You have to like start to figure out, OK, how do I make friends? <laughs> because right, I think right, that, right. that like at home you just take it for granted but yeah. when you're in a foreign land you have to intentionally be like okay well first there's the language issue do I take time to study and figure out this language and then you also have to start thinking about okay well what do people do to make friends they they try new things they go 
figure out hobbies they have in common. So a lot of the things that I learned and I experienced while I was studying abroad and living abroad was a result of me just trying to make friends. I would go and try new food. I would go um, to these new club activities, um, everything from um, hot springs and samurai towns and um, all you can eat buffets. I was just trying everything. We went traveling on overnight buses and all kinds of things. All is just me trying to not feel so lonely but actually ended up being experiences that I'm really grateful for. And I think those are the experiences when people are like, what did you do abroad? That's what they want to hear about. But all of that was really possible because I was like, well, I got to make some friends now. <laughs> um, so what are some things, people or places um, that stood out to you or that made an impact on you uh, in China or Japan, which are, you know, both. <laughs> yeah, um, so I guess I'll go because I did have the opportunity to go to three different countries. For places, I'll break it down. I think the place that left one of the biggest impressions on me was definitely um, Seoul, South Korea. Uh, I think I only got to spend a week there, but it was one of those weeks where you're literally going sun up to sundown because you're like i gotta see everything i gotta see all of the modern shopping centers i gotta see the old temples and everything um gotta go to the amusement parks all that you could think of but i think the most um impressive place while i was there um and you'll probably hear a lot of locals say it too is um the han river so the han river actually like goes through most of seoul and um, there are a whole bunch of different like areas that you can stop and kind of relax on it. Um, I happen to be in an area called Jamshu. And so we like, my friend and I, the friend that I went with um, on our last night in Seoul, we actually, it was like 11 o'clock at night and we got off the subway and we were like, the one place we haven't been yet is the Han River. <laughs> and so we went and we kind of just sat um, on the staircase by the riverbank and put on some music and just looked out over the river and there was a bridge with the lights and that I think for me was the spot that I realized that I want to travel abroad more. I want to, I could see myself living here. I could see myself working here. And so that place like really resonated with me. So if any of you get the chance to go to Seoul, South Korea, definitely make sure to stop by the Han River. Um, in China, I went to so many different places in China, but I think probably my favorite place to go was Shanghai, um, just because it felt a lot similar to like a Chicago or a New York city. Um, and it had that bustling city vibe, but was still very much like Chinese in characteristics, like the food, the language, it still had like this combination of um, very modern skyscrapers as well as like um, very like almost feudal type um, architecture so it was really cool um, but the place that probably left the biggest impression on me was called Dunhuang and it actually was there was a um, portion of the Gobi Desert there um, so I, a lot of people think of China and they don't think of the desert at all <laughs> um, but I got a chance to go there and look at a lot of um, 
kind of uh, relics from Buddhist temples and things like that. And I got to ride a camel and go hang gliding in the desert, which was just really amazing and beautiful. Um, and then Japan, honestly, I just grew to love the place I was in, which was Akita. Um, it was a smaller rural area, but I made so many great friendships there that um, to this day that place still really feels like home for me. And I think that what stood out there the most were the people. I still keep in contact with a lot of the friends that I made there. Um, and honestly, throughout it all, there were people that definitely uh, left their mark on me. Um, and I think um, I spent a lot of time in my life being a perfectionist. Um, but I think it was going abroad that helped me to start recovering from that. Um, and I think a lot of that was through the relationships, the friends that I made. Um, like in Japan, I had friends who made me realize that the way I saw myself and the way other people saw myself were completely different. And how hard I really was on myself. And while I was in China, because I had such high expectations of my language capacity, because I've been studying it forever, um, there, I really was really tough on myself and um, a lot of people like one of my advisors we called her Jumama because she was like our mother there um, spent a lot of time just making me comfortable with not knowing everything so I think those were um, a lot of the things that I took away from there in addition to like a lot of the actual cultural customs and language right. skills of course but I think those places and really the interactions with the people that changed me are, are what I took away the most. Um, so uh, in a world that, as we can see, even with um, this pandemic, this virus that is going around, um, what should our relationship be globally? Um, because it feels like everything's happening right in front of us with right. the advent of social media and having all that access. Um, what, should, what should our relationship be globally? Um, I think first and foremost uh, that when we're thinking globally, we have to understand that there are a lot of different actors involved in the globe, right? Um, there's your actual government bodies, then there are your actual social institutions, like your schools, um, churches, etc. And then there are the people, right? And I think that whenever we're, especially in times of crisis, right? I think it's so important for us to actually look at the people and not just the governments, right? We can't look at any of those aspects of society in isolation of the other. You can't just say, oh, I'm going to only consider the people because they have nothing to do with the government. And you can't say, I'm only going to listen to what the government is saying because they have nothing to do with the people or vice versa. So I think um, the biggest things that we can do uh, as people is really to stay informed, um, but to make sure that when we are looking at our sources and when we're understanding, looking at our media, um, reading your newspapers, your social media articles popping up or whatever, to make sure that we are um, aware of the dis different isms that tend to fall into conversation. Um, and I think when it comes down to global issues, the biggest isms you'll see are imperialism, classism, and racism. 
Um, racism, as Americans, you're probably pretty familiar with that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think a lot of times we tend to isolate the issue of racism to just black and white. Um, when it's really not just a black or white thing, it's right. very much a, a whiteness or white supremacy, which has doesn't necessarily mean white people. Right. Um, it just means things that are associated with whiteness versus things that are not or non-white, which includes all people of color. That includes Asians and um, Latin Americans, and um, it also includes blacks or african american so it's not just limited to these issues of black or white and i think that we're seeing a lot of that come up in conversations in the media um um like i was just reading that i guess two days ago um an asian american family was stabbed to death in texas because of this pandemonium wow um and so i think it's really important that we learn to still see people as people um and to not let like sentiments like um hearing government officials or celebrities saying this is a Chinese disease or this right, is a Chinese right. virus stop us from seeing people as people and stop us from going and digging into sources to see for ourselves well what does that mean why are they saying that because when you do you'll see a lot of that has to do with issues of racism but you'll also have to see that a lot of that has to do with imperialism which imperialism is largely based on this idea back from like um when Europe started to expand their boundaries and to colonize a lot of other countries um, and this idea that um, countries with wealth and power can expand their borders um, or that they have a responsibility to extend their influence in order to promote better living and so you hear that a lot right. in conversation in america that it's our responsibility as americans to promote democracy or whatever around the world, around the world yeah. um and a lot of times what happens with that is other countries, it takes away agency um, and choice from a lot of other countries, but it also turns um, conversations and politics into a very us versus them kind of mentality. And so that's what you see coming out in these conversations. You see um, a lot of people, instead of actually looking in and researching the facts um, from all angles, just saying, oh, well, it came from China, it's a China problem, so, these people are more at risk or these people are to blame um which is not the case right if we actually look into our sources it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the chinese people right um it is a virus that evolved no different than any other virus it could have been here very here in america that started actually a lot of sources are saying that there might have been a chance that it did start here so just we want to make sure that we're not just taking things at face value because a lot of the things, especially when they're coming from the government or coming from people who are embedded in institutions like the media, are um, influenced by these isms, right? They're influenced by um, racism and imperialism and also classism, right? This idea of like the wealthier have it easier right now because they can work from home. Mm. They can work remotely. Right and still make money um, whereas those who are lower income have to go in and put themselves at risk so a lot of these things are are coming up in our conversations um, and i think that when we look at um, global affairs they're heightened because oftentimes we can't see the people behind the statements we're only seeing the statements um, so i think the biggest part of our relationship with the world right now is to make sure that we're um, that we are 
going into this with open eyes and open ears and not just assuming that we can take things for face value because it came from the newspaper or because it came from um, the government. And really making sure that we are treating each country and each country's citizens with the same level of compassion, right? Um, we can look at what's happening in Italy and feel the same kind of empathy and compassion as we do with what's happening in China. It shouldn't be one or the other. Oh, I sympathize with Italy, but China deserves it. No, that's not what we should do. We should offer our compassion to both equally. Okay, so um, as we wrap this up, um, how should we pray for mainland China and that part of the world? And, and once you tell us that, I'm going to ask you to pray um, um, for uh, mainland China and that part of the world. Um, I think that in prayers for China and, and East Asia at large, I think um, just as with the rest of the world, you want to, of course, pay, pray for peace. Um, I think that there's a tendency to let fear and panic overcome all of us right now. So peace is definitely a big thing. But I think you also want to pick pray for protection and compassion. Um, we want to make sure that um, that God is providing um, according to his will for everyone everywhere. Um, and that also that there is um, compassion, especially from believers. I think that from people who call themselves Christians and um, other minority groups, so other people of color, that we should be the first ones to offer compassion. So praying that... Um, each and every person would have compassionate hearts. Um, but I also uh, think we should be praying for clarity and wisdom um, for those that are in positions of authority. Um, I think that a lot of big political issues that were going on um, in East Asia, specifically in China, were put on hold or um, swept under the rug as a result of conversations surrounding COVID-19. Um, and so those things will still have to come up again. Um, and so I think that clarity and wisdom and decision making should definitely be a big one. Um, and it should extend to not just the issues surrounding our health and this pandemic, but also those political issues like human rights. Um, we had the whole protest situations in Hong Kong that were going on that are now on the back burner. Um, so just clarity and wisdom and decision making. And then finally, I just urge you guys to um, pray um, as if you're praying for your own country, as if you're praying for your own family. Um, I think that we have a tendency to let labels such as gender, class, nationality um, stop us from recognizing that it's another human being across that ocean. Um, so pray for them as you'd want someone to pray for you. I think those would be the biggest ways uh, that I would urge us to pray for China and the um, and East Asia. Amen. Um, Jesus said in Luke chapter twenty-one, uh, verse thirty-six, He said, "Watch therefore, pray always, that you may be counted worthy to escape all the things which will come to pass, and to stand before." Uh, the Son of Man. Um, he was talking about the end times. He was talking about the things that were going to come. And our goal is to pray that uh, we may all be counted worthy uh, to mm -hmm. escape these things and stand before 
uh, Jesus in that particular time. And so um, I want to uh, thank those that have been listening, um, those that are contributing to this podcast. Thank you so much for your support. Um, those that are listening and sharing it with other people, um, you're helping me to impact even uh, across borders. Um, I pray that this particular broadcast makes it to China uh, somehow, some way um, to let them know uh, that there are those here in the U.S. that are praying for them and that are praying for the world, that are praying for the globe, um, because this thing is, is bigger than just us. Um, so I'm going to ask Tierra to uh, lead us in a prayer uh, for our world, for China, uh, for um, all people who are being affected um, by this uh, incredible pandemic that has um, spread across uh, this entire world. And so we're going to pray and then uh, we're going to leave you a few, a little bit of information and then we'll see you tomorrow. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we just come together right now lifting up uh, this world, God, uh, lifting up each and every continent and country, God, um, and every person and individual, God. Uh, we pray right now, first and foremost, that uh, as tragedy strikes everywhere and pandemic spreads, God, that compassion would be on everyone's hearts, God, um, that there would be peace from the fear, God, peace from the anxiety, God, uh, peace from the stress, God, and that in its place would be love and compassion, God, that we would be able to unify, God, as not just as nation or not just as community, but also as God, as a global uh, team, God, as a global community, yes. God. Yes, God. That we would be a, be willing to share resources with each other instead of hoard them, God. That we would have compassion on our neighbors to help them, God, to serve them, God. That we would be listening for ways, God, that we can benefit others, God. I pray that we would um, be led by the Spirit, God, each and every believer in each and every country. God, I pray that you would just be speaking to them, God on ways that they can be a helper and a server, God, and to be your heart to your people right now, God. Um, God, I pray that all those government bodies and all of those in positions of authority, God, um, whether it be as big as authority over countries to um, as every day as authority over households, God, I pray that you would give clarity and wisdom, God. I pray that um, that just like you gave Joseph on understanding on how to ration God for famine, God, that you would give your people right now understanding on how to um, handle resources, God, and how to um, divide things that are needed, God, and how to um, to just be prepared, God, without um, overextending, God, without being greedy, God. Um, I pray that um, that you would just give um, divine understanding and wisdom and how to to govern and to lead, God. Um, I pray that um, each and every one of us, God, in this time would be able to be closer to you, God, that we would hear your voice, God, um, as a voice of peace and of love, God. And most importantly, I pray that your will would be done throughout the world, God. We know that you created us with love, God, and that you do love us, God, and that your plans are for us, God, to prosper us, to give us a hope and a future, God. So I pray that through this all that your will would be done and that lives would be saved, God. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ.
Amen. Amen. Again, thank you for listening. Um, those of you that would like to uh, contribute to this podcast, just uh, look up anchor.fm slash Anthony Wilson uh, slash support. And you can support uh, this particular podcast, allow us to do much more and bigger things um, and continue to grow it uh, to a global level where we can be praying um, for nations um, and reaching nations uh, with the love of Jesus Christ. Uh, just remember to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. God bless you. Thank you for listening.